Hey listeners, we are so excited to have Dan Osborne back this week. He's our pastor at the Forest Glen location and an integral part of the Adoption Fund here at Park. He is the husband to his amazing wife, Courtney, and a dad to his sweet two kiddos, Evelyn and Malachi. Yeah, we get the chance to dig in with Dan into Romans 16 and 17, what got cut from his sermon, and uh, looking at the power of God uh, for salvation that we see in the gospel and how that's something we've all experienced in our lives and something that we can share with other people as well uh, in different ways. And so looking forward to that. And also we get a chance to look into the question, is coffee an addiction? Uh, So a lot of fun things ahead. I'm Sharon Brandis. And I'm Trevor Lovell. And this is The Pastor's Cut with Dan Osborne. Hey, Dan, welcome back to The Pastor's Cut. Hey, Sharon, thanks for having me. You're welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Yes, we are. Good to have you here, Dan. So we have been asking the pastors this go-around what their favorite restaurant in the city is. Easy. It's called Smoke. It's a barbecue place in Irving Park, old Irving Park, right on Irving and just south on Pulaski a little bit. It is phenomenal. I think it's the best barbecue place in the city that I've had. So I don't know if people would agree with me, but... I've been there. It's it's fantastic. I think several thousand yeah. Yelp reviewers would agree with me. Yeah. yeah. Very good. All right. Dan, can you give us a quick sermon recap? Sure, I can. So last Sunday, I focused pretty much exclusively on verse 16, just addressing some stuff mm-hmm. that I think our congregation needed to hear in Forest Glen. Yeah. But yeah, so basically what I was doing, it was taking this idea of uh, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God to salvation. And so I just kind of systematically worked through these mm. uh, a series of questions around, uh, you know, why is Paul not ashamed? You think about uh, kind of the disdain that I think much of uh, modern media, mm-hmm. you, see it, you see in much of modern media towards Christianity. And yeah. it's really easy for us to take this posture of like, you know, stepping back or even mm-hmm. hiding the fact that we are followers of, of Christ in conversations, maybe even hoping at work that somebody doesn't ask us what we believe about mm-hmm. a particular topic. Uh, mm-hmm. And yet, you know, stuff was even worse for Paul and his day and Christians mm-hmm. living in Rome at the time. And so for yeah. him to say something like, I am not ashamed, that's a pretty jarring statement that I think we can't just skip right over. Yeah. And it forces us to ask why, right? Paul, mm-hmm. why are you not ashamed? Why should we not be ashamed of the gospel? That's that's his point. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't either if, if I'm not ashamed. Yeah. And he goes on to explain that the gospel is the power of God. Mm-hmm. And so we experience uh, the power of God in, in some sense. And I think he connects this idea of power all the way back to verse four. It's the first time he actually brings up power in the book of Romans. And he talks about uh, the, the power of God to bring Jesus back from the dead, the resurrection. Yeah. Really, so to me, what that says as I'm reading this is what is first and foremost on Paul's mind when he writes the word, the phrase power of God, is his ability to bring life back from death and, and resurrection. Yeah. Really, that, that, that's the whole paradigm of the Christian life, right? Every follower of Christ ha- has had a moment where you were spiritually dead and you were brought back to life through the gospel. That's, that is the whole Christian storyline. Yeah. Uh, and so when he connects it there, mm-hmm. to me that says, it, when he talks about power, it's something that we have all experienced. Every follower of Jesus has seen that kind of power mm-hmm. in their lives at some point or another. Mm-hmm. Now, as you keep reading, he ties that specifically to salvation. That That is the domain of mm-hmm. uh, power that he's talking about is salvation, Yeah, which in itself is a very interesting word, mm-hmm. right? We think of salvation as Christians, and it is kind of this word we just we use all the time, right? You'll hear yeah. people ask the question, are they saved? And what they mean is, is that person a Christian? Or someone mm-hmm. will sit down to talk about their story mm-hmm. and they'll say something like, you know, I was saved when I was 
kindergarten, middle school, high school, whatever, fill in the blank. Yeah. But we don't mm-hmm. often <laughs> like grapple with how, how jarring of an image that is. Like why, why does Paul frame a relationship with God mm-hmm. with the term salvation? He could, have, he could have used so many other words. Mm-hmm. But salvation is interesting because it implies that there's something from which you are saved. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. not only do you have to ask the question, Paul, why are you not ashamed? But you have to ask Paul, what what are we saved from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which explains why in the end of chapter one through chapter two, he spends so much time talking about God's wrath. Yeah. Uh, and, and that I think forces us to grapple with some some bigger questions mm-hmm. uh, about God, what the Bible teaches, and you know yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So that's where I went. Mm-hmm. You know, we we don't need to be ashamed because we've experienced as followers of Christ, the power of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. What was the first thing that you cut? The, the fir- well, I cut the end of verse 16 and all of verse 17. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just cut it right out. I just I, I had to. So you got basically an F on this paper if we got a... Well, I think I got an A. I think I got an A. Um, but all right, we'll give it to you. We'll see, we'll see what other people say. Yeah. Uh, so what, what I ended up doing is the first piece, I, I couldn't deal with the phrase right at the end of mm-hmm. verse 16. Paul says, uh, the gospel's power of God uh, for salvation to the, Jew, to the one who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And I just you know, yeah. couldn't deal with that. I spent more mm-hmm. time last week talking about some of the, the context of the book of Romans, some of the things that were going on. And I know mm-hmm. Jamie last week, if, if you listen to the podcast from last week, Jamie yeah. spent, did a great job kind of articulating, you got two groups in Rome, Jewish followers of Jesus, Gentile followers of Jesus, and they do not get along. Yeah. In fact, this is actually the very opposite situation that's playing out in the in Galatia, right? This yeah. is the opposite mm-hmm. scenario that Paul's dealing with. You have these Gentile followers of Jesus who think <laughs> the Jewish folks just missed the gospel. They misunderstood what it means to be a Christian. And so there's all of this tension going on. Mm-hmm. And what I see as the the presenting problem, what's what's happening in Rome, why Paul is even writing, is because you have this disagreement that's threatening to uh, radically divide the church, mm-hmm. right? So in the first fifteen verses, I think the main point that Paul's trying to get across is unity, mm-hmm. right? That yeah. that our first step in disagreement as followers of Jesus should be uh, a step towards unity. Try and see what what actually binds us together, what forges us together. And he mm-hmm. says in the first couple verses here that, you know, we are unified in our calling. We all, every follower of Jesus has the same call to belong to Christ Jesus, and we are all called to be saints, are all called to be holy. That's the, that's the starting point. We start with unity. Yeah. Um, but you do have these mm-hmm. distinct groups in Rome, Jewish folks and Gentile folks there. So mm-hmm. what do you do with this? And when he says the gospel uh, is to the Jew first, I think what he's trying to articulate is that uh, the good news of Jesus is actually the, the culmination of the whole Old Testament storyline. Mm-hmm. Everything that's happening from Genesis all the way through the rest of the, the Old Testament story is pointing forwards mm-hmm. uh, to, it, it's telling a story with no conclusion. Right yeah. uh, or, or no climax really, and it's mm-hmm. it's all pointing to the person and work of Jesus, almost to the point that uh, you might be able to say, and and I think this is how, I think this is how the Apostle Paul would articulate it, mm-hmm. uh, that to be a follower of Jesus as a 
with a Jewish background. That yeah. that is the the truest expression of what Judaism should be is the yeah. embracing of Jesus as the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he says the the gospels to the Jew first, right? Because every, yeah. their whole storyline is building up to this mm-hmm. uh, to the person and work of Jesus. But you also have the Greeks he talks about it, the Gentiles that he talks about. Yeah, uh, which is part of this idea that it's you know it. it it, it, God's working uh, throughout history is is to the inclusion of the nations, not just one particular people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he he says the gospel goes to both of them. And it's interesting too that he he says uh, he doesn't just say that the uh, it's to the Jew first and to the Gentiles. He says it's to the Greeks. Mm-hmm. The Greeks, which is odd, because he talks about Gentiles all over the place. So why here does he talk about Jews and Greeks? Well, yeah. if, if you look at some, a lot of the writing at this time, uh, Jewish writing at, from this time and uh, a couple hundred years beforehand, the, the Greek culture represents like the antithesis to Judaism. It's the the farthest extreme, the polar opposite that you could get. And so I think what Paul is doing here is creating a spectrum uh, mm-hmm. of people uh, who belong in the kingdom. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jews all the way to the polar opposite that their readers would have understand is the Greeks, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah which can, it can almost be a challenge if you take that and apply it and you think about, um, I suppose if you're, like if you kind of look around and think about using a spectrum as a way to, to think about the gospel and who mm-hmm. it's for, that there literally isn't, there's no one that you can yep. name or point to and say like they're out of the reach of the gospel. It's for everyone. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Which is why I think that that imagery of the power of God to salvation he talks about in verse 16 is so incredible, right? Because mm-hmm. nobody, nobody is beyond that power right? Yeah. Uh, for the gospel to 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 bring about salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's this like, you know, I, I talked about salvation this way, that it, it is yeah. the uh, loving, you know, it's where God lovingly knocks us out of our natural trajectory, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. is going to yeah, end absolutely. in, in mm-hmm. death and separation from Him. Mm-hmm. And when we are saved, we, we are kind of, we are pulled out mm-hmm. what we couldn't do ourselves. We are pulled out of mm-hmm. where our lives naturally would have ended up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And nobody's beyond that. Right, yeah. which is an incredible mm-hmm. thing to hope for, right? You think about, yeah. uh, you know, as, as a pastor, one of the things I it, talk through with folks all the time is, you know, somebody's mm-hmm. husband or wife who is not a follower of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think this oh, this verse gives us so much hope that th- that person, their spouse, is not beyond the power of God for salvation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Even if they've spent years talking with them, trying to demonstrate the gospel, they are not beyond the love of Christ mm-hmm. in, in the gospel. You know, same with uh, a college roommate who <laughs> doesn't really want anything to do with you anymore mm-hmm. because you keep talking about this faith <laughs> stuff, right? Yeah. Even the, no matter how antagonistic, angry, fearful, resentful, yeah. wherever they're at, nobody is too far beyond the power of God for salvation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good reminder. I think I've talked about on here just my family not being saved or believers and that reminder that nobody, including them, yeah. is too far and yeah. just mm-hmm. to continue to model that mm-hmm. to them and pray for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, what else got cut? Well, I think there, there are, you know, there's some theological stuff that just not so much got cut. I just knew going forward, I couldn't really deal with it in in a message. Sermons really aren't always the best place to deal with every theological issue, Mm -hmm. which is why I love this kind of podcast. It's a great opportunity to Mm -hmm. talk about some of these things, but there's a lot of complexity in this verse. So, or in these, in these two verses that come up where 
you have very intriguing phrases where, you know, scholars yeah. are debating all, you know, night and day, whole books written about this stuff, <laughs> you know, where in verse 17, uh, he talks about the gospel as the righteousness of God, which in itself is a very unique phrase. Yeah. Righteousness of God revealed from faith for faith. Some translations mm-hmm. from faith to faith. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> there's this whole discussion about how, how, what? <laughs> Paul, <laughs> Paul, what are you talking about? Yeah. Is it, Thanks. Is, you just articulated what I was thinking, right? right? <laughs> Where it is is uh-huh. faith the thing that produces faith? Do we have faith to uh, that kind of kickstarts greater faith? Like what what is he trying to talk about? And then he caps it all off saying the righteous shall live by faith. Well, does that mean uh-huh. the righteous are saved by faith? Mm-hmm. Is lived talking about salvation or is he talking about uh you know eternal like when we have a relationship with God that it mm. culminates in everlasting life with him is the, is mm. faith the the cornerstone of that yeah or is he talking about the way we live right now you know mm-hmm. so there's all of, there's a lot of complexity in there you throw you throw into the mix the fact that in English we have two separate mm-hmm. words for what mm-hmm. Paul talks about when he says righteousness Right, um, the we we the Greek word there uh, is the word that we translate as either righteousness or justice. So, is mm-hmm. he talking about righteousness or justice? Same thing happens when he talks about faith. Uh, we we use two different English words to translate that Greek word pistis, either faith or belief. Yeah, uh, and it, it, like you could go on and on about some of the. Uh, uh, technical difficulties in, <laughs> in here in this passage and understanding you know what Paul is is talking about and yeah. the sermon's just not the best place to, to address those but th- there's a lot of great commentaries that you know I've been recommending mm-hmm. uh, Craig Keener has a great commentary that I've recommended to a number of folks from the church yeah uh, the New Covenant commentary on Romans mm-hmm. very approachable but he works through all of these kinds of mm-hmm. questions and it's, it's not for pastors it's not for scholars it's for people who want to better understand God's word and like you were saying, these being like the thesis, like this being the thesis statement for the book, you could almost like just take these couple of verses and read through the rest of Romans yeah, with yeah. these, having them by the side. And keep just coming see, back to it. Yeah. You keep coming back to it. Yeah. These concepts yeah. are the, like the same ones he's working with the whole time. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. That's great. Um, what else got cut? Yeah. You know, there was, I touched on this a little bit, but you know, I had to shrink it down quite a bit. Man, you could, you could talk about the power of God forever. And I think mm-hmm. that there's so much uh, spiritual formation behind this this idea, because you, you have to ask the question, and it forced me to ask this week, like, where have I seen the power of God in my life, right? Mm-hmm. We already talked about when, when Paul writes that phrase, I think he's connecting it intentionally back to resurrection, God's work of bringing life from death. And it's, you know, again, that's the whole story that every Christian at some point experiences, having been brought from death to uh, to spiritual life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But seeing the power of God framed that way, I think, forces us to go back and, and look at moments in our lives where we have experienced the power of God. That's why mm-hmm. he talks about it this way, because mm-hmm. it's something that nobody can, no, you can't argue with what you have experienced. You can't argue with a changed life. Yeah. yeah, you know, think about friends in in high school who knew me before I was a Christian and afterwards. Like they could sit down and have conversations about why they disagree with the things that I believe, but what they couldn't argue with is the fact that I was a radically different person. Mm-hmm. Not because I changed, you know, did anything for myself, pulled myself out of the boot, you know, by my bootstraps or whatever. Yeah, I don't even who wears boots, right? Like <laughs> bootstraps. Um, but not because I did anything, but because yeah. Jesus had done something in my life. Yeah, and they couldn't argue with that. Yeah, that was the piece that. 
uh, you know, just kind of kept the conversation alive. Mm-hmm. And I think there's an incredible importance for us to know our own stories and where we have experienced mm-hmm. the power of God. Yeah. Because people cannot argue with that. Yeah. Yeah. You can't argue with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think this is a, a perfect time to just get real. Let's get mm-hmm. real. Um, you mentioned like you can't argue with a changed life, yeah. but but the verse is talking about do not be ashamed of the gospel. And so I'm curious, where have you seen even in your own where have you seen mm-hmm. in your life recently that in some way or another you were ashamed of the gospel? And what did that look like? Heavy hitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me think about that. Well, uh, I'm I'm a pastor and mature Christian, so I'm never ashamed of the gospel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sarcasm. I have an example of yesterday in my life, but I'm I'm gonna wait for you and then I'll share. It's <laughs> a great question. I think that I I every Thanksgiving, that's just an example that hmm. you know I keep thinking of. I'm, a lot of my family not followers of Christ. Every Thanksgiving, I know I have a set of aunts and uncles who are just going to say the most absurd things uh, at, at the Thanksgiving dinner table just to just to try and get uh, a rise out of me. Yeah. Uh, they know I'm a pastor. Most of my family uh, grew up very culturally Catholic, and they've often wondered aloud how I was able, how a priest was able to get married. And I'm like, for the last time, I'm not a priest. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> But every time we have a big family get together, which is pretty often in the year, I know there's something, some kind of conversation that is just designed to uh, just force me to say something. Uh, and I know what they're trying to do with it, they're trying to mess with me. But there, there's, there's a season where I just get tired of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I get tired of going to, to, to be honest, and I wonder if any of my family's going to listen to this. I get tired of going to family gatherings and... You know, they ask me to pray for a meal because they know I'm a pastor, but they don't believe anything that I'm saying or believe that I'm actually talking to anybody. I just get tired of it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of wearing on me. And Courtney and I have had a couple conversations recently where, you know, she kind of noticed that I, I had this fatigue and she challenged me on it. You know, she said, she, she said, think of the opportunity that you have right now. Like even if they don't really believe you're doing anything, the fact that you show up and continually like have a witness to the gospel and it, like engage in those conversations, you never know what kind of seeds those are going to be planted, planting and uh, what God is going to do with those even little conversations, even if they think you're a fool. Yeah. And she said, you know, mm-hmm. Christian people have always thought Christians were fools. You would <laughs> What you're experiencing right now is nothing new. And so it was, it was <laughs> a good point. A good That's a really point. good point. It was a gentle yeah. uh, reminder. My wife's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, really grateful for that. But she kind of called out this area where I was uh, just tired and didn't want to engage in that conversation. And I think that's how I've experienced that, that being ashamed. Like, I just don't mm-hmm. want to deal with these conversations anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With family having been just put down over and yeah. over and over again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, right, like, you know, I'm starting to think through now, instead of just being on guard and, you know, how do I articulate my reasons and faith well, mm-hmm. where can I look at particular stories where I've seen God's power in my life and mm-hmm. share that? Because that's the piece particularly that people can't argue with. Yeah. And, you know, I've shared this from with my congregation pretty often, but I think that the place where I, I saw it most powerfully in me was in 
you know, a, a freedom from addiction to pornography in my life. That was probably, you know, very from uh, very early on as a Christian, like the Lord identified that as a root issue mm-hmm. from a place where before I was a, there was nothing I could do about it. You know, I'd go uh, go to bed thinking about that. Every time you'd have a craving, you'd just go back to do the thing you said you'd never do again, right? Mm-hmm. And it was when I first encountered the gospel and it had, you know, other godly people start speaking into my life about this that I, I, I started to experience pretty quickly a uh, radical uh, freedom from the death grip that pornography had by God's grace, like, you know, tons of freedom uh, mm-hmm. for years because of that. And that, that's not something I've been able to explain or attribute to anything else. It wasn't yeah. like, it wasn't a 10 step program or 12 step program. Not that there's anything wrong with those. Mm-hmm. There wasn't, you know, this whole system that I put in, but a, a healing that I experienced in the gospel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And being able to talk about that openly is, you know, evidence of, God's work and God's power in my life. Again, nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with me, but all God's grace and what he's been doing in my life. Yeah. Mm, That's great. Yeah. Trevor, where have you felt ashamed in the gospel? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. And uh, honestly, like coming into this, um, this, uh, this passage and even reading it beforehand coming into the weekend was uh, thinking like, man, I, this is like timely for me in in my situation. Mm. And, um, our daughter just started kindergarten and just literally this past week, I think it was Thursday or Friday. I think it was Friday. Um, yeah, it was Friday. Uh, I, I dropped her off at school and we're only like three weeks into it. So it was kind of like uh, standing in line with the other parents and kind of starting to get to know some of them. And um, one of the one of the other dads, I got to kind of know him a little bit on the walk out of the after drop off after our kids went in. And uh, we're just kind of like small talk, exchanging names and all of that. And uh, he mentioned he worked at home. And so we live right across the street from from where the drop-off is. Yeah. And so literally as we're walking back, I'm like, my apartment's right there. Um, and I, it's almost like when you're a pastor, if you... Like if you ask someone about what they do for work, they're gonna add, they're gonna return the question, right? And mm-hmm. it's an automatic spiritual conversation. It makes it really easy to get into spiritual conversations as a pastor. Um, but in that moment, I was like, I I just kind of want to go back to my apartment. <laughs> I just want to go home, and so I intentionally didn't ask the question, and mm-hmm. uh, and then the conversation was uh, was over, and it was kind of like I I had an opportunity there to have mm-hmm. a spiritual conversation, and I intentionally dodged it, and it was thinking about that later on. And uh, even even in the sermon this weekend was um, felt the Spirit's conviction around that issue. So just that, I, like in the same way, you know, I, I need to be more intentional about those things. And, hmm. and it's almost like there is can be like a fatigue or a, a prioritizing like my own comfort or my own schedule over. Mm-hmm. Like when God gives you an opportunity, um, yeah, it's just, uh, it can be surprising how it's an incredible chance that you have uh, and yet it can be easy just to walk right past it or to almost be like, I, I don't want this opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah Cause even just like a, you know, a sense of even being ashamed of the gospel mm-hmm. when we've experienced it as the power of God uh, in our lives and yet still feeling that. So yeah, this was a, this was a challenging sermon for me in a good way, in a very good way. So yeah. 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 What about you, Sharon? Yeah. So I mentioned mine was yesterday. I was visiting family again, that touchy subject, and um, had to get something at my dad's house, but he wasn't home. And when I got to my family's house, my aunt said, oh, did you see him? Did you see your dad? And I said, oh, no. 
And I knew he was at church, but he's not a believer and it's not a gospel preaching church. And I'm the only Christian in my family. Mm -hmm. And they don't think highly of my dad. And I know how the gospel's changed me, but then when they know that I'm a believer and I go to church, if I also put my dad in this category of someone that attends something mm. they call a church, oh, interesting. I didn't want this misunderstanding of me or for them to look down on me because they look down on my dad. Mm. And so it was like, oh, how do I, how do I say where he was and why he wasn't home? And so it was almost this like, not necessarily, I guess, looking back, it's not necessarily ashamed of the gospel, right? Because I know what God's done in my life, but ashamed of the portrayal of other churches or other Christians. And what you'd be associated yeah. with. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yes, my life hmm. is reflective of the gospel and the spirit and yeah. bearing fruit of that. And my father's is not. And so drawing this line of how do I convey that, oh, he was at a church that I would not call a church <laughs> and I go to a church that I would call a church, you know? So this kind of line drawn of how do I, how do I articulate still who I am so that they're not even more turned off by the fact that I'm a Christian mm -hmm. and not lie. Mm -hmm. I could have just said, oh, he wasn't home, but I, that didn't come up. So, yeah. So, Dan, we have added a new segment. I think you listened to last week. Uh -huh. So, you heard that we now take listener questions. Uh -huh. And we have a question this week around addiction. Ooh. Is coffee an acceptable addiction in the church? More, I should say caffeine. Is caffeine from coffee an acceptable addiction in the church and why? Do you mean, should it be acceptable? Sure. Yeah. No, I don't think it should be acceptable. Um, I don't think any addiction to any kind of substance should be acceptable in the church. It is currently because it doesn't seem to have any damaging social effects uh, or it, it doesn't necessarily derail someone's ability to function well in society. And uh, some people think that it enhances their ability to function well. <laughs> in social do settings. Do some people make that argument? Some people do. Uh, I don't think this is the best way to approach this. I think I think what we should do is think about uh, what the conversation should start with. What are we mastered by? Mm. Uh, and if there is anything that we that that has like an influence on me, like I've, I've thought about this in my own life a lot. Yeah. Uh, I got to a point where if I did not have a cup of coffee in the morning, I would, not only would I have these bad headaches mm -hmm. like literally going through withdrawals and feeling yeah. sick um you know i would it, it had this whole control on how i would function throughout the rest of the day as as a parent and i, and I think that that's a dangerous place to be mm -hmm. and oftentimes we just you know kind of view coffee as something that fuels us right mm -hmm. but but really what we're looking for it to do is, is sustain us mm -hmm. and that's not healthy like spiritually, it's not healthy because uh, we're again we're looking at something other than yeah. God to yeah. to sustain us. And so, even if it's a small addiction that doesn't seem bad, it's not illegal. That's mm. not a good excuse for it to just thrive. And you know, you have these mm. uh, churches that are functionally coffee shops. I don't think yeah. I don't think that's the same thing as calling churches dealers. You know? Okay. But, yep. But we. 
we end up fueling a lot of people's addiction to something that is not good in yeah. the long run is it, and it shouldn't be acceptable. And the other problem with this is that this adds to the long list of things that non-believers look at Christianity and say, look, you accept that. Why do you make that exception? Huh. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Right? It's just it's one more charge that can be added yeah. against against the church. And and there there is a level of hypocrisy that I feel like we need to own mm. in this. Yeah. That uh you know d- mm. kind of diminishes our credibility in the world. It makes me think of, um, even the way you describe it, Hebrews 12, uh, where um, the writer talks about, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, after talking about all the, all the people of faith in chapter 11, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, mm-hmm. and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Um, And it just reminds me of, uh, I remember seeing this sermon illustration one time where the the preacher literally used dumbbells uh, Mm -hmm. and had these like big, like 50 pound dumbbells, something like that, saying that a lot of times when we're trying to carry weight like that, uh, an addiction or a sin like that, it's clear that it's just not possible. Mm -hmm. And so you have to deal with it. You have to handle it and you have to find freedom from those in the gospel. Um, But, there's smaller weights that we can carry with us. We end up carrying more of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they weigh about the same, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't feel like you need to deal with it and you yep. think you can carry them, but yep. the is lay aside every weight. You can mm-hmm. put a whole bunch of things, mm-hmm. little things in that category that maybe we'd associate with drinking coffee, mm-hmm. right? Or, um, you, you know, uh, some addiction that people have to social media. Mm-hmm. Uh shopping and not even going shopping but just like flipping through amazon constantly looking for something like we we, we are walking into the the temple of the marketplace constantly yeah mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. who's got a great book on this amy carmichael the missionary from india mm-hmm. she has a great little book i think it's one of the most important books any christian could read called god's missionary mm-hmm. and she has this chapter called what's the harm in raisins uh and she just kind of explores like okay what what is there's nothing necessarily wrong with, you know, hypothetically, she just comes up with raisins. But if it's, if it's not actually fueling you for to, to, to do better what God has called you to do, it's not that it's necessarily bad, but it may be wrong for you. Hmm. Um, and if it's not helping, what, like, why even put energy into doing that thing? Yeah. Uh, and it, she just explores it really well and I think is a great Christian writer and thinker that we should pay more attention to. Yeah. She got a lot of good thoughts and stuff like this. Yeah. Awesome. That's good. Well, thanks, Dan, for being with us today. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in again this week. We want to hear your questions. So text podcast to 62953 and maybe your listener question will be featured next week on our episode. Again, if you like what you're listening to, leave us a review, rate us five stars, and tell your friends about the Pastor's Cut. We'll see you next week.